0: A young mother who just wanted to take care of her four children but unfortunately it was really hard to do this it was a lot of responsibility and you just didn't have the finances so you were forced to give up custody of your kids to their father you did everything you could to see them as much as possible even when you started dating a new guy but little do you know the consequence of dating this new guy will seal your fate Hello my fellow divers and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host Lexi, thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, welcome to the water, we're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you and thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime. So just a little announcement, I'm actually looking for video editors. If you or someone you know is able to make the type of videos that I make, please feel free to reach out to me. You can drop a comment, you can access my Instagram and then you can DM me through there or you can even use my email for any business inquiries like I always say. So if you know anybody or if you are interested please let me know and we can further discuss details in private. Today we're going to be talking about the very tragic case of Melissa Souders. I've actually never heard of this case before I started researching it and it's pretty heartbreaking. There's a lot of things in this case that are pretty shocking to hear and it's just sad that Melissa was in the situation she was in. But with that, let's get right into the case. Melissa Renee Souders was born on June 19th, 1987 in Houston, Texas. Her parents' names were Sonia and Jimmy and Melissa was very well liked by her family and her friends. She was just overall a very sweet and loving person. While Melissa was in high school, she met a boy named Matthew Souders and pretty soon they started dating. By the time she turned 16 she was pregnant with their first child and being from a very southern place like houston texas it was pretty unorthodox to get pregnant so young without getting married so melissa's parents signed off on her getting married to matthew at only 16 years old and together they raised their child By 2013, Melissa and Matthew had four kids, and Melissa was only 26 years old. But around this age, she decided that she didn't wanna be with Matthew anymore. She was just over him, she was just kind of moving on. I mean, by that point, they had been together for, what, 10 years and she was only 26. So she was just ready to move on. But unfortunately, Melissa was not able to take care of her children without him. She really struggled financially. It was a little bit hard for her to even take care of herself. So she made the very difficult and heartbreaking decision to sign her rights over to Matthew of all four of her children. I can't imagine having to make a decision like that when it's probably the last thing that you ever want to do. But it was either that or she would just continue struggling to raise them and not giving them the life that she as their mother believed they deserved. Now around this time, Melissa actually reconnected with a man named Jason Sanford. Now they knew each other from all the way back in grade school, long before she met Matthew. And they dated for a little bit, it was nothing serious because they were like, what? Middle school, elementary school, but as adults she decided that she wanted to reconnect with him and begin a relationship with him So they started talking and dating again Christmas that year was pretty sad for Melissa and her family because her four kids were with Matthew and his family just a little bit difficult because she wasn't used to being away from them for Christmas and He could have at least brought them by I mean she didn't have rights to them anymore but you know they still had a pretty good relationship and she wanted to still see her kids, but Matthew decided that the kids were going to spend Christmas with him and him alone. And Christmas was a big deal in Melissa's family. I mean, everybody always got together. They would have a big dinner. They would bake peanut butter cookies together. It was just a fun time for that family. So not having Melissa's four kids there, it was really hard for them, but they still wanted to do what they could to make it fun. The following day on December 26th the day after Christmas Melissa's boyfriend Jason showed up to her parents house asking if they had seen Melissa and they were a little bit confused they were like no we haven't not since Christmas dinner yesterday why and he said well she was supposed to pick me up from work but she never showed up which wasn't like Melissa her and Jason were actually sharing a car so she had to pick him up from work and When she never arrived, he knew that there was something off. They kept calling her and calling her, but she just wasn't answering. Her phone was just going to voicemail and she wasn't calling them back. And at that moment, her family knew that something was seriously wrong. So they decided to go to the police and report her missing. Police normally would think, oh, you know, maybe this isn't a missing person's case. She hasn't even been missing for a day. But given the time of year that it was, the fact that it was literally the day after Christmas, they knew that something was a little bit off. So they actually took it more seriously, in the beginning than they normally would. Police wanted to find out where Melissa had been that day and she was actually scheduled to go to work at a shift at Taco Bell where she worked. So police arrived to her job and they find out that she never showed up. And this was not like Melissa at all. But that moment they knew something was wrong. Police decided to speak to Melissa's sister, Amber, to see when the last time she spoke to her was and where she may have been that day. And according to Amber, she said that Melissa dropped Jason off at work and then she went to go meet up with Matthew Souders, her ex-husband. And she did this so that way she could see one of her kids. They met at a McDonald's parking lot in his truck. But after that, she was never seen again. So police decide to go to this McDonald's and see if they can find any evidence of Melissa being there. Now they couldn't find her car, they couldn't find Matthew's truck, they weren't there anymore. So they decide to go inside the McDonald's and look at surveillance footage. And it was there that they see Melissa on the surveillance footage around 11 a.m. And she's going inside the McDonald's and as soon as she walks in, she gets on her phone and then she just immediately walks out. And that's the last time she was ever seen. Police now know that the last person Melissa was seen with before she went missing was Matthew. So they want to talk to him. They reach out to Matthew and he tells them, yeah, we met up in the McDonald's parking lot in my truck so she could see our daughter. And according to Matthew, Melissa said she had to use the bathroom, but she didn't want to use the bathroom inside of the McDonald's. So he just decided to drive her back to their old apartment, which was right around the corner. She uses the bathroom and then she decides to leave the apartment on foot and walk all the way back to the McDonald's so she can get her car and leave. When she left the apartment over on Paramana, he said she just left on foot. Yes, took off walking. Any idea where she was going to? No, I was like, we can take you back to McDonald's. She goes, leave me alone. sounds kind of weird for Melissa to walk back when he could have just driven her if it was really that close. I mean, why would you just let somebody walk all the way back there instead of just driving them back? He also never mentions her going inside the McDonald's. But I guess according to him, maybe he figures she did that after she got back and he was still at the apartment with their daughter. But during this phone call with police, Matthew reveals some very shocking information. He tells them that he and Melissa are actually still sexually involved. Now remember, she divorced Matthew and she started dating Jason Sanford. But according to Matthew, he and Melissa were still fooling around on the low. And this was pretty good information for police to know. Police reach out to Melissa's boyfriend, Jason, and they want to see when the last time he spoke to her was. And he said the last time he talked to her was while she was waiting for Matthew at the McDonald's and he hasn't heard from her since. He continued to call her and call her, but she just wasn't responding. Now it was through Jason that they ended up getting a description of Melissa's car, a white Honda with a black door. And it looked very unique. So police hoped that if they put out a Bolo or be on the lookout for the car, that it would be pretty easy to spot because that black driver's side door just made it very uniquely looking Jason also provided police with Melissa's cell phone number so that way they could potentially track it or maybe they could call her hoping that she would answer and he also was able to give them a description of what she was wearing the day she went missing and police put all of this information out to the public hoping that somebody would have a tip leading to where Melissa was Melissa's family was very worried that something bad had happened to her. Her father's birthday was actually on December 27th, two days after Christmas, and she never called. And at that moment, they knew that there was something seriously wrong here because Melissa would never, ever not call her father on his birthday unless something happened to her. Police end up receiving a call from Melissa's mother, Sonia, where she reveals that Melissa was actually two months Now this was really shocking to police to hear, especially considering the fact that she had a boyfriend and they also found out that her and Matthew were still messing around. So at this moment, they didn't know who the father of her child was because she was messing with both of them. Them knowing that she was missing and pregnant just made this situation all the more dire. That same evening on December 27th, police receive a call from a patrolman who said that he believed he saw a car matching the description of Melissa's parked in the back of a truck lot, far off the highway, almost like somebody was trying to hide it. So police go out to the site and they look and they find the car and they scan the plates and sure enough, it belongs to none other than 26 year old Melissa Sowers. It was just sitting in the back of this truck lot where all the 18 wheelers park when they're getting off the highway and it just looked like somebody was intentionally trying to shield this car from the public like they were hiding it police end up taking dna samples and swabs and fingerprints from the car but they don't find anything significant but it's pretty worrying to find her car and not her especially it being found the way it was like it was just hidden. Melissa's family said that this is really when they started to worry and they just had a very strong feeling that something bad had happened to Melissa and that they may never see her again. Police decide to look at Jason and Matthew a little bit closer now that Melissa's car has been found and they wanna see if they have any sort of criminal history at all. And they actually found out that Matthew filed a harassment report against Jason. Jason apparently called him over the phone and threatened him and Melissa's kids, saying that they were all in danger. So Matthew went to police and filed a report. Police started looking at Jason a little closer and they found out that he had a pretty violent criminal background. He had been arrested for getting in fights pretty frequently. And even three months before Melissa went missing, he was facing an assault case. Police wanted to bring him in and talk to him and figure out what the hell's going on. Why do you have all these charges? You know, what are you doing? And at this moment, Jason reveals, well, this assault charge from three months ago, it was because I fought my friend who was sleeping with my wife. And they were like, your wife? I thought you were dating Melissa. And he's like, well, well, I am, I am, but I'm also married. And his wife had no idea. Now it's unclear if Melissa knew that Jason was married, but according to her family, they said that they had no idea that Jason was married. For all we know, maybe Melissa didn't know either, but we just don't know. But that's pretty crazy that he was married and he was fooling around with her. And then Melissa was still married to her ex-husband and she was also fooling around with him. There's a lot going on. It definitely makes you wonder if Jason is a violent person, especially when it came to the cheating issues. For all we know, maybe he found out that Melissa was still sleeping with Matthew and he just snapped. I mean, we really don't know. But this definitely made police look at him pretty closely. And eventually during this interview, they just outright asked him, did you have anything to do with Melissa's disappearance? And he said, no, I would never do that to her. She was my pride and joy. I loved her with all my heart. And he even willingly handed over his phone and any information that he could give police. But eventually they were able to rule Jason out as a suspect when his boss was able to confirm that he was at work while Melissa was at this McDonald's meeting up with Matthew because remember she was supposed to pick him up from work that day and she never did and that was when he found out and realized that something was wrong. So they were able to confirm that Jason was nowhere near Melissa when she went missing and he was subsequently ruled out. Police decide that they're gonna start looking at Matthew because he was the last person to see Melissa alive before she went missing. So they're getting ready to look at him a little bit closer. But the same evening that Melissa's car was found, police received a call from a dispatcher saying that a woman wanted to file a report on something she had seen the day before on December 26th. And this woman who had called 911 claimed to be a friend of Melissa's. And she said that that day on December 26th, the day after Christmas, she went to Matthew's apartment and he was being very weird very fidgety. He was acting nervous He wouldn't let her in he kind of just opened the door cracked it a little bit and talked to her through the door And this woman also noticed that Matthew and Melissa's daughter was crying hysterically. Well, I went to the door Started knocking and you know, he was there with his daughter. I was like, you know, why is she crying? She's like, oh, no, she's just upset and at that moment, this woman looks through the door and she sees in the back a pair of women's feet. And they're just lying on the ground, not moving. And the door was open and all I saw were two feet. Yeah. And they wasn't moving. Yeah. And there was human feet. Mm-hmm. I can tell they were female. And she said that this struck her as very, very odd. Almost as if there was like a body that was just laying on the floor in the apartment. Police immediately go out to Matthew's apartment and they knock on the door, but he doesn't answer. Now, normally they wouldn't be allowed inside, but because they got a tip that there could possibly be a body in there or someone in danger, they were actually able to enter the residence without a search warrant or entry from the owner. Now, when they got inside, there was nothing that indicated any kind of struggle had gone down in matthew's apartment there was no blood there was no physical evidence at all but what they did notice was that there was no power in the apartment i don't even think they were able to turn on the light it was like the power was out and it just looked really really weird but unfortunately because they didn't find anything significant they couldn't just go off of this woman's statement to arrest Matthew or take any kind of action against him. The following day on December 28th, 911 dispatch alerts police that they received a call from another woman who said that she needed to turn someone in. 911, yes, police fire. <laughs> Take somebody in. You want to turn somebody in? Yeah. She was crying. She seemed very upset, and she had a lot to reveal. And this woman said that she knew Matthew Souders, and that he confessed to her to killing Melissa Souders. He come over last night, them wet from head to toe. Truck was all muddy. He said he blacked out and snapped and choked her death and Their body in Spring Creek. It's a According to this woman, Matthew told her he got so jealous that she was messing around with Jason Sanford that he just snapped. This woman said that Matthew showed up to her house in wet clothes and mud all over his truck. And at that moment, he confessed to killing Melissa, saying that he put her body in a trash can and put it in Cypress Creek and let it go in the water. This was extremely shocking for police to hear that Matthew had actually confessed to someone, but again, they needed something a little more solid than a statement. So they give this woman a wire and tell her to go meet up with Matthew and get him on tape incriminating himself because this woman was still speaking to Matthew and police were gonna meet back up with her a little bit later to see what she could come up with. In the meantime, police want to bring Matthew in for questioning, but they don't want to tell him that they have all this information from these two separate women. One saying that they pretty much saw a body in his apartment and another one saying that he outright confessed. So they bring him in and they're just kind of talking to him normally, acting as if it's a routine interview. And they try to bait Matthew into admitting more, pretty much saying did something happen between him and Melissa that would warrant him to have to defend himself to where he may have had to take action and kill her. And they just try to you know coax him into giving them more information, but Matthew doesn't take the bait He completely denies that he and Melissa had any sort of altercation or that he had anything to do with her death And he wouldn't cooperate at all after a certain point He said that he was ready to go and because he wasn't under arrest and they didn't have enough evidence They had to do so they couldn't keep him anymore Police end up receiving a search warrant for Matthew's truck, so that way they could take any kind of DNA or fingerprints from it to see if something could link him to Melissa's disappearance, but they don't find anything significant. In the meantime, though, they were gonna continue searching for Melissa, now that they have an area to focus on, Cypress Creek, the place that was given by the woman who claimed that Matthew confessed to her. One thing about Cypress Creek is that it is huge. It's very very expansive and the police department knew that they could not search here all on their own. I mean they didn't have a specific area of the creek to focus on so they kind of had to look at the entire creek but it was really really big. There was also a lot of wood surrounding it too. So they enlisted the help of Texas EquiSearch which is a volunteer search organization that helps find missing people. They're not associated with law enforcement at all. It's pretty much just a group of volunteers who help families find their loved ones and they're actually pretty successful. I've heard about them a lot in a few other cases. They've found more than 700 people dead or alive since it's been founded and they really do a good job. Now, Melissa's family really didn't know a whole lot. I mean, they were kind of confused as to why they were searching in the creek other than the fact that maybe they were gonna find Melissa there, but they didn't know that there was a woman claiming that Matthew had confessed to her. They didn't really have a whole lot of information and police kind of did that on purpose to not compromise the investigation. But nonetheless, they were at the creek every single day helping to look for Melissa, just hoping and praying that she would be found safe. The search went on for about three days when on New Year's Eve, police ended up finding a very big trash can just floating in the water. And of course they opened it up, but Melissa was not inside. But at that moment, they kind of figured that if she wasn't inside then, she had to have been at one point. Because why would this trash can, very similar to the one that the woman described, just be in the lake like that? I mean, what are the chances of that happening? So they knew that Melissa had to have been somewhere in that creek. They just couldn't find her. Later that evening, police receive a call from the woman who claimed that Matthew confessed to her and they wanted her to meet them and pick up the tape because she had just met Matthew and she had recorded him on the wire. So police immediately meet up with her and they take the tape and bring it back to the police department where they listen to it. On the tape, they hear Matthew say that he doesn't think that police are ever going to find her body, probably because he knows how big Cypress Creek is as well, which is why he may have put her there. And the woman says, well, maybe just put in an anonymous tip so that way police can find her body and Melissa can get a proper burial. I just think should there was a proper burial, tip it in. Some anonymous stuff. Okay At first she says, turn yourself in, which Matthew's like, no. So she says, okay, well maybe just put in an anonymous tip saying where she is so that way she can have a proper burial. And Matthew ends up saying, "Mm, I'll think about it. This is pretty incriminating evidence. I mean, clearly Matthew knows where Melissa's body is and this is because he's probably the one who did something to her. Hearing him on tape just be so smug about it and oh, they're not gonna find her, they're not gonna, no, I'm gonna get away with it. It's just really, really eerie. Police and volunteers continue to search the creek for Melissa into the new year, but they're not finding her at all. And on January 2nd, 2014, police say that they have no choice but to suspend the search after that day. They said that they have other cases that they're going to need to focus their resources on. And if they don't find Melissa that day, then they're going to have to move on. Now that frustrates me a little bit because they literally... Like, she's literally there. They know she's there. They found the trash can. They have someone admitting it. So why not just keep looking and bring her home? I mean, you know she's there. And of course, I understand it's difficult to do that, but to just say you're gonna give up just because it's too hard to find her, even though you have a pretty good idea that she's there, just seems kind of crazy to me. But that morning around 9am, Texas EquiSearch ends up calling police to let them know that they've recovered the body of a young woman police immediately go to the scene and they see the woman's body. Normally when you put a body in water, depending on the temperature of the water or the temperature outside, it can oftentimes advance the stage of decomposition, especially if it's a lot warmer. But this was Houston, Texas in December and the body was found in a fresh water creek, meaning it was pretty cold. And the temperature of the water being a little bit colder ended up preserving the body. So normally the body would have looked like it probably would have been in there for a few days or maybe even a week. But because of the temperature of the water, the body looked like it had been there for maybe a few hours, which made it much easier for police to positively identify the remains as being those of 26 year old Melissa Souders. And they were able to identify her through her tattoos. When Melissa's family received word that a body had been found in the lake, they knew instantly that it was her and her mother Sonia said that she got this strong feeling that she was just never gonna see or speak to her daughter again. Melissa's body was taken in for an autopsy and they found signs of strangulation and blunt force trauma. There were also chemical burns found on her torso and her upper legs and police believe that Matthew may have poured bleach on her in order to wash away any of his own DNA. Now they couldn't figure out if melissa was taken advantage of sexually because she had been in the water but they believed that matthew pouring the bleach on her was to get rid of any evidence that he did in fact take advantage of her sexually police were also able to confirm that melissa was in fact pregnant when she was killed police at this point are ready to officially arrest matthew he was where according to the witness he said she was everything just seemed to line up the trash can the creek All of it. So they were ready to arrest him. But before they could do so, they actually received a tip from someone who knew Matthew who said that if police tried to arrest him, that he was going to take his own life by cop. Meaning that he was gonna point a firearm at a cop leaving them no choice but to shoot and kill him. So this was great information for police to have because they knew how to handle the situation differently. They arrived at Matthew's home that he shared with his parents and they ended up watching the house very carefully, very quietly because they didn't want to alert him and give him the opportunity to arm himself and take his own life by cop. But as they're waiting to figure out what they're gonna do, Matthew and his father end up walking out of the house on their own. I guess maybe they were going somewhere, but they had no idea that police were outside And as soon as Matthew and his father come outside, police immediately put up their firearms and they formally arrest him right then and there. Matthew didn't have a firearm on him. He didn't have time to grab one because he didn't know that police were coming for him. So he wasn't able to take his own life by cop. Matthew was charged with capital murder for Melissa's death as well as the death of her unborn child. Now they tried to get Matthew to confess and talk to them a little bit, but he was not budging. He would not cooperate with them for anything. And in April of 2015, two years after Melissa was killed, Matthew ended up pleading guilty to the murder of Melissa Souders as well as her unborn child. And he was sentenced to 60 years in prison with the possibility of parole after 30. But let's hope that he never gets out even on parole. Melissa's family has gone on to say that they were pretty satisfied with the sentence and they believe that he got exactly what he deserved. It was revealed in court that Melissa had confided in close friends around the time of her death, saying that Matthew was becoming a lot more possessive over her as time had gone on. He was getting really, really jealous, even though they had already broken up, but that just seemed to only make his jealousy much worse. She even told her friends that one time, Matthew held a knife to her throat and threatened to kill her because he was so jealous. Police believe the day Melissa was killed, she was with Matthew after they had met at that McDonald's and he may have found out that she was pregnant and at that moment he completely snapped because he knew that the baby was probably Jason's. They believe that he strangled her to death, loaded her body in the trash can before putting it in the creek and then he took her car and hid it in the back of that truck lot so that way nobody would know where it was. They think the Matthew's motive was jealousy and anger out of the fact that Melissa was pregnant by another man. It's so crazy that he could do something like this to the mother of his four children. She gave birth to these beautiful babies and for him to just take her away like that, as well as another one of her unborn children, completely robbing them both of life is just so selfish. Matthew and Melissa's four kids were placed in the care of Matthew's family because after she had signed her rights over, her family really no longer had rights to them anymore. Melissa's family said that they get to see them sometimes, but nowhere near as much as they used to, and they miss them all the time. Now, the fact that all of these kids are left without either of their parents because one of the parents so selfishly took them away is just crazy. I mean, it's just really sad. I don't know how you can kill the mother. I don't know how you can kill anybody, period, but the mother of your children or a parent of your children, and then you just leave them by themselves. I mean, now they only have their grandparents. They don't have their parents anymore. Melissa's family said that Christmas has never been the same since she passed away because it's just a constant reminder of what happened. I bet it won't ever be the same for them again and it's all because Matthew had to rob her and her family of the joy that it brought. But with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching and I hope to see you in the water soon.